and welcome to Film Kid Asks, the podcast where I ask questions to working professionals in the film industry from the perspective of someone just getting started. My name is Jordan, and today I'm joined by the multi-talented cinematographer and director who has worked on projects like Blue Valentine, Half Nelson, The Zookeeper's Wife, as well as HBO's Succession and Watchmen, Andre Parekh. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Andre. Thank you, and thanks for getting my name right in the pronunciation. No worries, I did. And often. Okay, well, I did look up a couple interviews so that I nailed it, but uh, I... So you studied film at NYU, as well as the FAMU school in Prague. How was your overall film school experience? Um, Film school for me was fantastic because I had the chance to shoot 50 short films uh, while I was there. I didn't go to class much, but I did end up working a lot and shooting and hopefully not screwing up too many people's projects while I was learning. So it was, yeah, overall it was an amazing experience. That's great. Was there anything overall that you would have changed about your education? Maybe having more time in between college and film school. Uh, I took a year off, sort of did a couple of years off. I took a year off in the middle of college because I was go, had gone through all the majors um, and had no idea what I was doing. So I dropped out for a bit, uh, worked for eight months and then traveled around the world. At that time, I brought a camera and I had never really taken photos before. And the camera became the way that I related to the world very quickly. So that was a very sort of eye-opening experience and that sort of got me into the world of film. Uh, My father, who is an engineer, expected me to be either an engineer or a doctor. I had to sabotage that by nearly failing in chemistry and making sure that I would not be pre-med. And then applied to NYU for grad school, but it would have been good to have had a little bit more time before going to school just to sort of experience the world. I feel like, you know, the most interesting stories come from personal experience. I think the most interesting films come, you know, are clearly personal experiences that people have had. And, you know, just having maybe given myself the chance to have those experiences would have been a good thing. But other than that, school was amazing. You know, school is oftentimes what you put into it. And I really spent, you know, I think when one goes to school, one shouldn't expect to be working. One should just be working. I think it still holds true that it's really what you put in uh, is what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I I think that's good to keep in mind as a film student as well. It's good to hear. So from what I understand, you were interested in directing from the start, but ended up pursuing cinematography after you graduated. So what drew you to the more visual side of uh, storytelling and filmmaking? Um, I realized in film school that I had no vocabulary to talk to actors at all. And they very quickly terrified me and and I could not make heads or tails of them as kind of human beings. And so the camera was the place that I sort of naturally gravitated. It's a great place to hide behind the eyepiece when you don't know really know how to talk to actors, but you are still, you know, there with them. And in many ways, you know, uh, cinematography, I would not say it was a step towards directing, but cinematography became an exploration in creating a mood and a tone and a space for actors to work with it. You know, I think actors are very unique species. I think it's a terrifying profession. You know, you're putting yourself out there. You are completely naked in front of the camera. You know, the camera really reads truth 
truth in performance, truth in emotion, and you really can't hide from it. You know, it's very different than the theater in that way. And uh, I sort of started making, trying to make a world for actors basically to exist in. And I think with like a TV show like Succession, it became sort of film theater, allowing actors basically free reign, you know, creating an, an atmosphere for them to work in and be able to shoot you know, almost 360 degrees all the time became really important for me. Each image may not look amazing, but the performances are always true and real. And that's, I think, what has always interested me. Yeah, I think that really comes through. And I know in another interview, you had said that your priority was always the actor rather than the lighting or other things that might be a concern to some cinematographers. Um, but I think that priority really comes through because that's obviously the most important part of the storytelling is the performers. Um, and I actually wanted to ask, I will get more into you as a director uh, a little later in the interview, but you did bring it up. So I was curious how you managed to start to build that vocabulary in working with actors. You know, I spent a lot of time with directors, uh, a lot of time next to directors and kind of quietly listening as they worked with their actors. You know, I think it's, it was very important for me always that there was one director and that there was one cinematographer and that those lines don't get really blurred. Um, you know, I think you have to, working as a cinematographer, you have to sort of respect the director and respecting the director means, you know, allowing actors to, giving them that space to work with that director. You know, oftentimes, especially in the digital world, the director is no longer close to the actors. Oftentimes the cinematographer is no longer close to the actors, but I try to still operate. So, you know, after a take, the director is far away at the monitor and you are there with them. And they are always looking for approval. And, you know, it's a very human thing. They've done something and they, they want feedback. And so I have to always sort of mediate my desire to give them that approval and allow the director to do that. Yeah, working with directors, basically. Um, you know, taking some acting classes, I think as a director, one really must take acting classes. You need to understand what everyone's doing on set, I think more than anyone uh, as the director. And that also includes your actor's process. And every actor has a different process. You know, and that's what the beautiful thing about filmmaking is that it's a very human endeavor. And you are there with someone trying to create something together. And again, it's, you know, everyone is looking for some sort of feedback, approval of what they're doing. And to be able to give that in a constructive way, I think is really important. Yeah, of course. So cinematographers get hired onto projects early compared to a lot of the different crew members and they stay on into post-production working with colorists and, uh, and all of that. So what to you is the most creative part of the process? Uh, the part that I love the most is in pre-production where you're imagining what you are going to make. Pre-production is for me the time where one does their homework. And if it shows very quickly when you are start, when you've started shooting, if you've done your homework or not, you can never be prepared enough with directors. I oftentimes ask to them to make a shot list. I'll make my own separate shot list and we will compare shot lists. And, you know, it's just the sort of 
open dialogue of ideas of how to approach something. We watch a lot of movies. We look at, you know, I love to walk through a museum with a director because I kind of watch what they react to. And it's really about understanding someone's taste. And taste is not something that develops overnight. It's something that takes years and years of understanding what you respond to as, a, as an artist and as a human being. Pre-production for me is trying to understand someone's taste because while you're shooting, you really don't have that much time to talk. Um, the best scenario for me is when we don't have to talk because I just know what that person wants. Um, and we know together what we're after. And so it's, you know, it's just really just like throwing around those ideas, making a shot list, talking about the scene, what the scene means to that director. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in pre-production listening. I think as a cinematographer, that's kind of the most important thing you can do is just sit back and listen. It's almost sort of like a therapist, I guess, in some way you just want the person that you're there with, you want them to talk, right? And if you're speaking, they are not. And so it's really your job just to listen to what they want and, you know, ask the right questions, you know, not yes or no questions, but, um, you know, leading questions that get them to tell you what their story is about. And uh, from there, you hopefully can understand and you start to develop something together. Yeah, for sure. I really like what you said about the museum and, and using that as a way to discover someone's taste. I think that's fascinating. And I was hoping you'd say prep because that leads perfectly into my next question, which is what do you look for when you're breaking down a script and what does that process look like uh, when you're trying to build a scene in your head? You know, what, the first thing I try to do when I read a script is I read it for story. I don't read it visually at all. I just read it for story, for emotion, for truth and emotion. And then I, again, I spend a lot of time with the director. I ask them, we go through it scene by scene, what it means. You know, I try to hold back on giving my ideas until late, as late into prep as I can. You know, it's, for me, prep is really that exploration of a director's mind. So with the script, you know, I'll, I'll make notes of what I think are the important beats, um, visually where there, where I see, you know, close-ups, wide shots, you know, whether there's camera movement or not, but really that, you know, those cues are given to me by the director and, uh, and by the films that we watch together. And I often, you know, I always ask the director to, you know, let's watch five, pick five films that this movie reminds you of, or, you know, give me music that you have either written the story to, or that you can see in the film what I'm searching for always is what, what the mood is, right? what the feeling is. And once I understand the feeling and the mood, I can then try to help them with you know, proposing what I think the camera should do and how the, if the camera is active in the scene, whether it's you know, more documentary style, whether it's you know, smooth and languid or maybe more aggressive, I don't know. It just it really depends on the, each story. And every story is different and I hope that when people look at my work, that there's not one specific style, but that each film is unique into itself as an experience. Yeah, I mean, I think you can really feel that looking at your body of work. So I guess then as a director, because obviously you're there to support the director's vision as a cinematographer, but stepping into the director's chair, how does that change when you're first reading a script and breaking it down? You know, I try to read it through 
first for story and then for character and what I think everyone, what each character wants or is looking for vis-a-vis -vis the other characters. Um, you know, you try to enter the story then from, uh, from the actor's mind as opposed to entering it from the director's mind. And then you're trying to tell, you know, what kind of story you're telling, what the tone is, uh, how to make it as complicated as possible. You know, I think it's really interesting when there is not just two people talking, but maybe two people talking on a crowded beach, right? Or in a subway where there's a lot of distractions. You know, there's just like, how can you make things more interesting by making it more complicated and more active for the actors? Because I think that definitely drives performance. You know, two people at a table for me is not interesting. Two people, you know, with children crying in the background is definitely interesting, right? Suddenly the scene takes on a different meaning entirely. And you have distractions for the actors, uh, for the characters themselves. Mm, that's so interesting. I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't considered how much the location, the space um, could affect performance and, and conceptualizing that so early on when you're just kind of breaking down the script. I think that's really interesting. Um, so I, I did want to ask before we move on, because we're kind of leading into directing. Um, but before that, I did want to ask, because you've worked on such a variety of projects in tone, but also in scale. You've worked on quite a few kind of lower budget independent movies, as well as some massive films and TV shows. So I was wondering, what are some of the challenges for the camera department specifically when working on a tight budget? And how do you kind of navigate those challenges? Um, you know, for me, the challenge is always making it as simple as possible. I had a really interesting training in Prague at, at FAMU where you basically were given one roll of film to make a three minute short story. And the roll of film was four and a half minutes. And you had to shoot the entire film on one roll of film. And you didn't get any more than that. Everyone had the same amount. And it made you make every shot count. And that's what I try to do, you know, even now is make every shot count. Of course, there's kind of television style coverage shot, reverse shots. For me, that's not interesting at all. It's just a, it's a way to sort of not direct something basically. It's a way to not make choices and push all those choices into the edit room, right? Where as opposed to making those choices ahead of time. And I think, you know, making films and directing is really just about making decisive choices. And you have to make those choices at some point, right? You make them at the script stage, you make them while you're shooting, or you make them in the edit. Um, but you know, you're going to have to make choices at some point. So I'm always, I always feel like we should make those choices as soon as we can. What was the question again? Sorry. Well, I was asking, uh, shooting on a tight budget and those challenges, but I think that that kind of answers it being very decisive and, uh, efficient with the decision-making. Um, but I do wonder, you know, for the aspiring cinematographers and the people that want to work in camera department that obviously at our stage, we'll be working on tiny independent projects and student films. If there is any advice that you could give to approach visuals on a low budget to get the most bang for your buck? Um, you know, it's just knowing what you want. You know, I would say it's not, you don't necessarily need to know how to do it, but you need to know what the sort of end is gonna look like in your mind. And then you can sort of work backwards. Um, you know, again, I think the most important thing for 
students is to develop their taste, right? Watch as many movies as you can, watch, look at as many paintings, drawings, photography as you can, and understand what you respond to. You know, uh, I think just sort of open your heart and your mind to things and see, again, what, what you respond to and what sort of interests you. And I think that's what should be your guide, like your instincts. And it's, you know, developing one's instincts takes a long time. Uh, for cinematographers, I would definitely suggest documentary work because in a documentary, you don't have the opportunity ever really to light. Uh, you don't really ever have the opportunity. You need to think fast. You need to know where the light's coming from. You need to know how to make something look good without basically interfering in the world, right? And, you know, it's, it's wonderful training. And I think that's... Um, that's helped me tremendously. You know, I can walk into a room, I know where the light comes from. I know where to put the camera as a result of where the light's coming from and how to position actors. And oftentimes, you know, the actors are absolutely photosynthetic. They know where their light is. Uh, the great ones really know what the light is. And, you know, you can come in with an idea of how to block a scene, but that will change very quickly once you're on location and there is real light. And, you know, one thing I learned very quickly and very early on was to always kind of pre-light the rehearsal because the actors would always find their light uh, and it would always change on location, you know, as opposed to what we had imagined, you know, just on paper. Um, the other important thing I've, I learned as a cinematographer is to always ask the director to watch the scene from where you want it shot. Wherever they, wherever the director is sitting during a rehearsal is probably where the camera's gonna go. Just because that's how they saw the rehearsal and they can't suddenly think about it in any other way than where they saw it. So as a cinematographer, you need to really like know your location really well. You need to know what you want. And then I wouldn't say manipulate, but guide everyone into that into you know making it the way you want it to look that's sorry i think there's a recycling truck outside my outside my window right now so i apologize if you can hear that but yeah i love i think that's great advice i love the actors are photosynthetic i think that is such a great word um to describe that that's hilarious but yeah i think that's really valuable advice for student filmmakers there's lots to think about there so thank you so much for sharing that um, so kind of now going into the directing side of things, uh, you've worked with obviously a number of different crews and directors, producers. What makes for a great set environment and great creative collaboration on set? And how do you work to cultivate that? Uh, I mean, the most important thing for me is trust. Having the director's trust, having an actor's trust. You know, it's like, um, it's like being around horses. I don't know if you've spent time around horses, but you know, they respond to fear and, and they would also respond to trust. And in the same way that actors are photosynthetic, they're very much like horses. And they're not gonna sort of let you near them. They're not gonna be open to you unless you have their trust. You know, it's about just developing a environment where everyone feels protected, where everyone feels safe to work. Um, you know, where people aren't humiliated verbally or insulted. You know, I think it's just um, having a very gentle and 
I think a very gentle environment is really important. And that's it's something that I learned from other cinematographers. There was a great cinematographer named Harris Savides who died a couple of years ago, but I spent um, a month with him on a movie set called The Yards. And before then, my sort of notion of what a cinematographer was, was kind of like a construction foreman, just sort of barking orders. And then I spent time with Harris and he was the gentlest human being. And I saw that you could, that it could be done differently, that you didn't have to yell at people to sort of get them to do things, that it was just really about asking uh, and respecting everyone's work and thanking people at the end of the day, uh, you know, shaking everyone's hand, maybe not in COVID times, but, you know, just acknowledging people. And I think that's how you, you know, maybe it sounds a little hippy dippy, but it's how you create an environment that people can do great work. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm going to ask one more question before I open it up to everyone else. And that is what excites you the most about directing? Uh, what excites me most about directing? Uh, you know, I started directing, I think, two or three years ago as a kind of personal challenge because I'm sort of naturally very introverted and it really forces me to talk to people, which is something that I'm not, you know, that it's very easy for me to hide behind the camera and, and not speak. And that's what excites and also terrifies me, that I have to sort of communicate. Um, you know, and I think also just find, like, getting a truth in performance excites me. You know, when you feel like, you found something in a performance. You know, also, you know, when I read a script, you know, when you're there shooting it, suddenly you see things that you never had anticipated. And allowing oneself to discover, I think is very important and not have sort of, not have your ideas about what the story is too entrenched. You know, you need to know what you want uh, in your story, but allowing for those surprises that people bring is, you know, is really incredible. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end it off and open it up to a few of my friends. Hi, um, I was wondering if you go around by assembling a lookbook and does that differ from when you're being a DP from when you're a director? And if that is a process that happens on such a higher level of productions? Uh, definitely. I mean, there's definitely lookbooks um, that I think are very important for all departments to understand, you know, production design, costume design, cinematography, all need to sort of work in concert together and not against each other. Um, and when I do the museum walks with directors, I oftentimes ask to take the production designer and the costumer. Um, just so that, you know, when there's the color blue in front of you, you don't have to describe it, right? You can just say, that's the, that's the blue I like. And then everyone knows, okay, that's the blue, right? And, so having a lookbook, I think, is a really great way to sort of describe what you want in very, you know, very quick terms. Um, so yes, it's super important. And I do it for all the films I work on. Um, I wanted to ask about a film in particular, uh, Blue Valentine. To this day, it's like one of the most heartbreaking, depressing films I've ever seen. So um, I just wanted to ask in general, like how was your experience working on that and just in that environment in general, just what was it like? Derek C. and France, the director, is 
quite remarkable in his constant search for truth. And, you know, it was a breakup story. The script, of course, read like a bit of a soap opera. You know, it's a, it's a very dramatic material, right? But then in the hands of those two actors that make it real, um, it became, you know, an incredible film. As an experience, we shot the sort of past first, and then we had, I think, a six-week hiatus, and then we shot the sort of present. Um, and that gave the actors sort of a chance to gain weight, make changes to the way they looked. And, you know, so the, the beginning was this beautiful love story, and then the second half of the film was them tearing each other apart. And the crew was very small. When Derek called to ask me to do it, he asked me if I would shoot with no lights. And then I negotiated one light um, because he wanted it to merely be like a documentary without the apparatus of filmmaking being there. And, you know, I think one of the nicest compliments I've received was that Ryan Gosling, both Ryan and Michelle told me that they never knew where the camera was when we were shooting. You know, and I would be at times like, you know, this far away from them, you know, with the camera. And, you know, it was just always this ballet, this dance uh, between them and the camera. Um, you know, and it, we did things where, you know, they lived together, we slept over one night and we shot them waking up. It was quite an incredible experience. Uh, it was like, you know, going to camp and making a movie. Wow. Yeah, that film devastated me. I watched it when I was 14 and I've watched it a, a few times since and it was very, very impactful to me. It, uh, yeah, it really, whew, it's a powerful one. Yeah, I apologize for the volume in here. I'm in a second cup right now. But I was just wondering, um, I guess like if your favorite activities or exercises to run with actors, I suppose. I'm just getting see directing myself. And I want to know, like, activities really, I don't know, can help them flesh out their characters or feel comfortable with you. I, I missed the last bit of what you said, but I think you asked, how do I work with actors and what activities do I do with them to sort of flesh out their characters? What's your favorites? Anything like that? Uh, you know, the thing I always ask them is what they think their characters want. Um, you know, I try to hold back on telling them what I think they should do. When directing, I found that the sort of off-camera person can be incredibly useful in determining that actor's performance. And so I'll oftentimes spend more time with the off-camera person than the, the quote-unquote on-camera actor in finding performers because I can ask them to do things, you know, and they can put it in their heads, but I find that once they start acting, they're just they're basically working with that person or those people. And so if you can get those people to guide that performance, it's an incredible tool um, because it's sort of happening in real time. You know, I think it's hard for people to sort of keep in mind what you want. Um, and I think it's really important to give them very simple instructions, not to fill their heads with too many things. And I think having, a, I have an 11 year old daughter and it's very helpful to have a child uh, in terms of working with actors because you end up sort of breaking things down in more simple ways. And it's probably the last thing you say to them is that the thing that they're gonna remember the most. You know, I'll oftentimes compliment something that they didn't do 
to get it to happen in the next performance. You know, it's a little bit of a manipulation, but you know, it was just like tell me, you know, I really liked how like that line came out so hard and strong when it didn't at all, right? And then they will do it the next time in the way that you complimented them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely more, a bit more of a head game than cinematography is. Yeah, it's, it seems like somewhere between psychology and sociology. And yeah, it's, I think that there was some really great usable advice in there that, uh, that anyone interested in, in directing can kind of take with them. Hi, um, I would just love to know what your, like one of your favorite shots you've ever composed was and why. Oof, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, we kind of put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I, just, I, don't, I don't think of, um, you know, yes, a film is a series of shots, but I don't really think, I don't really think of it that way, I guess. You know, you're sort of com constantly composing images, but I feel like my images are moving oftentimes. So there's no sort of static composition in my mind that I'm, you know, and it's, there's a lot of cinematographers that, or camera operators will be like, the actor walked out of the shot. And I was like, no, you let the actor walk out of the shot because you didn't move the camera. And it's your job to follow the actor, not the, you know, not tell them where to go. Um, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's a very different approach than like, let's say a Wes Anderson film, right? Which is, feels very composed and very stylized. And I guess the work that I tend to gravitate to tends to be less stylized, uh, maybe more about the performance. That makes sense. Your work feels very like integrated into the story and the world. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, doesn't feel like it calls attention to itself. It feels very, in support of the story and the characters and what's going on, which I, I love about it. Um, so I did ask you to come up with five film recommendations and I asked this of everyone that comes on and I know it's everyone's least favorite question. It's really about your taste. Exactly. Uh, Eight and a Half by Fellini, Bertolucci's The Conformist, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, that's three. I didn't really prepare this part, but what else? can I think of that I really like? Um, probably Woody Allen's Annie Hall and Star Wars. Any Star Wars or a specific Star Wars? The first one, the one that I watched when I was five years old. I think it's a little bit ahead of your guys' time. But. You know, honestly, that is a surprisingly popular answer because it got so many people into yeah. film, that movie. Uh, so yeah, so that's come up quite quite a lot actually but yeah I think that's it so thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk with us I think there was some really valuable insight that you shared as far as uh you know not only your journey but just your thought process and approach to filmmaking uh, I think it was really inspiring for me and I'm sure it will be for others as well and uh yeah and thanks to those of you who ask questions uh, but that is all for this episode of Film Kid Asks. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram or join our Facebook group for information about upcoming guests. New episodes come out every Saturday. Mm -hmm.